0: SECTION 1 OF THE NATIONAL GEOGRAPHIC MAGAZINE, VOLUME 9, OCTOBER 1898. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. RECORDING BY LARRY WILSON LAKE Chelan BY HENRY Gannett, CHIEF GEOGRAPHER, U.S. GEOLOGICAL SURVEY TO MOST READERS, ESPECIALLY THOSE OF THE EAST, this title conveys little information for it is an almost unknown lake in an almost unknown region it lies in the northwestern part of the state of washington upon the eastern slope of the cascade range its lower end being near columbia river into which it is drained thence it stretches northwestward in a long winding ribbon far up toward the heart of the range into the head of the lake flows stahecan river whose sources are in cascade pass at the summit of cascade range the river has numerous branches all of which head in high snowy mountains among small glaciers and it consequently brings a considerable volume of water to the lake in the northern part of washington the cascade range consists of a broad and extremely rugged mass of granite mountains whose highest summits are between ten thousand and eleven thousand feet in altitude high up in the heads of the gorges and at the foot of the peaks are many small glaciers the remains of others much larger which in times past extended far down the present stream valleys filling them to great depths with streams of ice evidences of these are present in all the valleys and gorges of this part of the cascade range the occupation of these gorges by glaciers is so recent that in many of them the subsequent work of the streams by which they are now occupied has produced but trifling results only in a few places are evidences of extensive stream erosion seen the bed of lake chelan and its principal tributary Stahican river together with the branches of that river were at one time filled by a vast glacial system extending from the crest of the cascades southeastward nearly to columbia river the glacier was nearly one hundred miles long and when it was in its prime the ice must have been several thousand feet in thickness the glacier is a river of ice and it behaves almost precisely as a river of water does its effects upon its channel are almost precisely similar to those of a river upon its channel excepting in the fact that all its operations are on a vastly greater scale the channel of a river may be measured by yards or hundreds of yards while that of a glacier is measured in miles The depth of a river may be a few feet only, or a few scores of feet. That of a glacier may be thousands of feet. It is this greater size, volume, and weight which makes glacial ice behave like water. In such large masses, ice is plastic, accommodating itself in inequalities of its bed, flowing with some freedom, spreading out, and contracting much as water does. A word of caution must here be interpolated the channel of a river in which its water flows must not be confused with its valley which it drains the above comparison refers to the channel of a river not to its valley glaciers in mountain regions commonly head in amphitheatres or cirques basins lying directly at the heads of canyons under the shadow of the summit cliffs an amphitheatre is surrounded on three sides by vertical walls or steep slopes down which the ice and snow slide in avalanches accumulating in the bottom the effect is precisely that of a waterfall the falling snow and ice dig a hollow or depression at the foot of the steep descent just as water does such amphitheaters are found at the heads of all glacial gorges in high mountains and today are found to contain small alpine lakes in place of the ice which once occupied them from its head in the amphitheater the glacier moves down the gorge scouring and cutting the bottom and sides as it travels the ends of the mountain spurs are planed off instead of being trimmed to sharp angular points as is done by streams and gorges cut by them if the bottom of the canyon be uneven if it contain abrupt elevations and depressions the glacier flows over them as water would flow over similar obstacles in its channel gradually cutting them away where the descent becomes abruptly steeper The ice in bending to follow the surface is commonly cracked forming a network of crevasses making travel over its surface very difficult and dangerous where the main glacier is joined by a branch the bed of the branch is commonly found to be at a higher level than the bed of the main glacier because being larger and heavier the main glacier has greater cutting power indeed in many cases the beds of small branches are hundreds or even thousands of feet higher than that of the main glacier to which they are tributary the parallelism between the glacier and the river in their channels is further illustrated by this fact the surface of the ice in the main glacier and in the branch must have been at the same level although the bottoms as stated above differ greatly in elevation so it is with a river at the joint of junction of branches the surface of the water must be practically at the same level in all cases But the bottoms of the channels differ by the difference in depth of the streams at their point of junction this fact affords us a measure of minimum thickness of the ice at any place it cannot have been less than the vertical distance between the bed of the main glacier and that of the tributary and indeed must in all cases have been greater owing to the thickness of the tributary to extend the comparison between a river and a glacier it may be added that the central portion of the glacier flows faster than the bottom and sides as they are retarded by friction just as in the case of a stream this is demonstrated by the gradually increasing curvature of the lines crossing the glacier such as transverse lines of dirt or crevasses in the upper portion of the glacier these might be straight or nearly so but lower down become more and more curved with the convexity downward a glacier is constantly receiving upon its surface rock gravel etc which fall upon it from its walls in its long journey from its source to its melting point a journey which may occupy many years large quantities of such material accumulate and it naturally falls mainly upon the edges of the glacier forming lateral moraines where two branches join the two lateral moraines on the inside join and form a medial moraine and thus in a complicated glacier system the main glacier below the junction of a number of branches may bear upon its surface many moraines lying lengthwise with the glacier at the melting point all these moraines are dropped in a confused heap forming the terminal moraine this may extend for a considerable distance up and down the valley because the foot of the glacier moves backward and forward according to the season in a wet cold season the foot advances down the gorge, while in a warm dry season it retreats towards its source. Herein we may see another point of similarity between the glacier and a certain type of river. In the arid regions of the west, the streams which have their sources in the mountains flow down into the valleys and disappear, being absorbed by the dry soil and the thirsty atmosphere. These streams, like glaciers, bear detritus down from the mountains and upon their disappearance in the valley they drop this detritus as the glacier does. There are, therefore, certain characteristics by which the gorge produced by glacial erosion may be distinguished from that produced by aqueous erosion. The glacial gorge has the shape of the capital letter U, while the water-worn gorge is a V-shaped notch. In a glacial gorge the spurs separating the tributaries have their ends blunted or planed off, while in a water-worn gorge they are sharp and angular in a glacial gorge the tributaries enter the valley above its level while in a water-worn gorge they commonly grade down to its level a glacial gorge has an amphitheatre at its head a water-worn gorge has not a glacial gorge is commonly lined near its lower end with the lateral moraines and across its foot stretches a terminal moraine and often this terminal moraine Has formed a lake with the exception of lateral moraines lake chelan and its tributaries present all these features peculiar to glacial erosion and owing to the fact that the ice has but recently abandoned the gorge aqueous erosion has made but little progress the glacial forms are but little massed and are still the most prominent features in the landscape crossing cascade pass from the west one descends immediately into an amphitheatre enclosed on the west and south by a mountain wall surrounded by high peaks on the north is the pass and on the east the land rises slightly forming the lower rim of the amphitheater the hollow of this amphitheater contains all the year round a great snowfield a mile or more in length which gives rise to the staheacan river the accompanying illustration is taken from the rim of the amphitheater looking toward the pass which appears in the background with the snowfield below it From the summit of the lower rim of the amphitheatre there is a steep descent of several hundred feet down which the Stahican plunges in a series of cascades the valley at first narrow broadens as it becomes deeper and the u-shaped form of a glacial valley becomes more pronounced on either side at short intervals small branches join the stream these head among the high mountains and flow with gentle course through ancient glacial valleys to the edge of the glacial gorge of stahecon river over whose walls they leap in great falls one such stream heads in horseshoe basin and the left-hand side of stahecon river where its waters are derived from small glacier the waterfall known as gorman falls is the leap of the stream over the edge of the glacial wall which here is practically vertical the walls of the gorge along stahecon river range from four thousand to five thousand feet in altitude above the bottom of the valley and the angle ranges from near verticality at the top to forty degrees or forty five near the mouth of company creek some fifteen miles above the head of the lake the wall is fully five thousand feet in height descending in one great sweep from the summit to the mountains down to the bottom company creek coming in on the right through a large stream flows on a level several hundred feet above the bed of stahecon bridge creek which joins the stahecon three or four miles farther down coming in from the right also a large branch flows in a valley several hundred feet above that of the stahecon descending to it by a series of cascades and waterfalls in a water-worn gorge two hundred or three hundred feet deep which it has cut since the retreat of the glacier bridge creek has numerous branches and at the junction of each of these branches similar phenomena are observed although in case the branches are nearly equal in size the bench or rise in the glacial valley is not as marked as in the case of smaller branches from all indications it appears that the ice must have been at least three thousand feet deep in this gorge of the stahican since several of the smaller branches joined the main glacier at that height above its bed lake chelan is between fifty and sixty miles in length and from half a mile to a mile or more in breadth except near its lower end it is enclosed throughout its course between high steep walls rising at angles of forty degrees to forty five degrees directly from the water's edge to an altitude of five thousand or six thousand feet above the sea the elevation of the lake above the sea is one thousand one hundred feet and its canyon walls rise four thousand to five thousand feet above its surface nearly all the streams which flow into it are small and tumble over its walls in a series of cascades there is but one stream of magnitude railroad creek which is tributary to it this which is upon the west side heads in the divide of the cascade range among the high peaks where its sources are fed from living glaciers and its valley is a glacial gorge near its upper end the lake is narrow and its depth increases gradually but about midway of its length it reaches a depth of fully one thousand four hundred feet its bottom being therefore three hundred feet below sea level thence its depth diminishes gradually to its lower end but not as regularly as it increases the rock walls which enclose the lake are strikingly parallel to one another the high mountains which border it at its head extend down nearly to its foot and then suddenly break away through the lower country first upon the east side and then upon the west the dam by which the lake is formed is the terminal moraine of the glacier the lake is now drained by a stream which has cut through this terminal moraine and after a short course of three miles and a descent of four hundred feet joins the columbia above the present outlet are indications former outlets of the lake in the shape of coolies cut through from the west or rather south side of the lake to columbia river the lower of these naps Coulee, which leaves the lake at about three miles above its present outlet has an elevation at its summit of about three hundred feet above the present level of the lake with a sharp descent to columbia river at its lower end the other leaves the lake at a point about ten miles above its present outlet and is much lower its summit being only about one hundred feet above the present lake level lake chelan is not difficult of access the traveler leaves the great northern railway at wenatchee on columbia river thence twice a week a little steamer stems the swift current of the columbia for forty miles to the mouth of chelan river and a stage covers the remaining three or four miles to the outlet of the lake where is situated the little town of lakeside on the days when the steamer does not run on the columbia The journey from wenatchee to lakeside may be made by stage the lake is traversed by a small steamer which leaving lakeside in the morning reaches stahecan at the end of the lake where there is a hotel late in the afternoon returning the next day on the shores of the lower part of the lake there are numerous ranches but within the mountain portion the only signs of habitation are a few landings and above stahecan there are no settlements and travel in this region must be upon horseback with pack train. End of section one.